Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 311. I said, I can live with some short-term pain for long-term gain. And I don't think too many people nowadays have patience. Everybody wants things immediately. You have to pay your dues in one way, shape, or form or another. And that's what I felt I was doing. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Kevin Bednars. Kevin, tell me, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling truly unstoppable now. I am. Yes. Uh, All right. Artist, bar owner, comic book shop owner, entrepreneur, hustler, husband, father bednars wears a lot of hats but one thing he always manages to accomplish in all of his passions is having fun kevin is the owner operator of the ashburn pub northern virginia's original neighborhood pub with over 20 years in the business the pub is a landmark restaurant that features amazing food full bar craft beers 11 tvs and events monthly Obviously, we're just giving the listeners a taste of who we're talking to. This doesn't even begin to, you know, tell your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? I got to be honest. Uh, it goes back to something I learned a long time ago. If you fail to, pl- no, wait, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Um, and something I learned a long time ago, write down, make a plan and follow through something I didn't do when I was younger, but as you start planning, it's amazing what can happen. Yeah, man. Uh, and it reminds me of a quote that I love, uh, work your plan, plan your work yep. or vice versa, but it's so true. And, yes. um, I'm curious, where did you learn about the value of planning? Was there a resource or, um, I actually, I worked for a marketing company in the early nineties down in New York and the, the owner of the company was a mentor, a really successful guy. And, and he was the one that kind of taught me you know, to look at corporate America and flip it upside down and, you know, look at being your own boss and, and you know, introduce me to that, that look at life as opposed to, you know, the 40 hour work week. So that's kind of at the same time got me interested in the restaurant business. So it's, it's been hand in hand. Okay, cool. Uh, so you have an interesting background, uh, trying to do some research on you, trying to find out more about you. It seems like, uh, you broke into this industry 
I'm not sure a how. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I was like you have a marketing design background and you had your own marketing or design firm at one point. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I, went to, I mean, I went to college for graphic design. I was an artist and a friend of mine was bar backing uh, one summer when we stayed. I went to college at Buffalo State. I grew up in Syracuse. Okay. So instead of going home back to Syracuse, my buddy's like, hey, I can get you a job bar backing. Oh, okay. I didn't know what bar backing was, but he used to come home at three in the morning with pockets full of cash and stories and occasionally a six pack. And I was like, this looks really awesome. So I started bar backing, um, which to this day is still my favorite job. I think it's the unsung hero of the restaurant business. I absolutely loved it. And that's where I cut my teeth. And I just got excited about the business. And I was a dishwasher and I, you know, I went through the stages, but that's really where I started. And I realized I can make more money bartending and bar backing than I could with my college degree in graphic design. And it opened the doors, you know, for a lot of stuff. And that was probably 1992, 93. Okay. Yeah. So real quick, um, let's really dive into, you said you loved bar backing. You just loved getting into it. Exactly what was it about the industry, that this first impression I had on you that you love so much? Well, I think back then too, and I could be wrong, but in Buffalo, it's a drinking town. There's amazing bars. There's a culture mm. of, you know, Joe's working at this bar on Friday and everybody has a nickname, Bud Light Jim. He's behind the bar at so-and-so. And there's just a culture and a community up there that I fell in love with. And being a bar back, you were the unsung hero. You were cutting fruit. You were dumping trash. You were the grunt. And you looked up to some of these bartenders to my, and still in my mind, these guys were legendary. You know, there's a guy named Brian Shamrock. I'll never forget his name, Rob Stokes. And these were the guys that taught me how to look at bottles and how to clean glassware and the trivial stuff that nowadays, you know, with the internet and mixology, quote unquote, you know, and, and the baristas and the bartenders that I think is a, a throwback to that. So that was a time when you took a lot of pride in your work and being a barback was so much fun because you didn't have to wait on customers. You know, some girls yelling at you with a dollar. Give me a gin and tonic. You just put your head down and fill ice buckets the other night and make money. I loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, I'm kind of right there with you in the sense that whenever I've, you know, every role I've had in this industry, the, the ones I love the most are the, the those supportive roles, the bar back, mm -hmm. the, the host, the maitre d'. I mean, I just something about being in that supportive role, um, being able to help these people who are the rock stars who do have yeah. that talent uh, and just, you know, being able to support them um, was, was any of that, did that any of that resonate with you? Just absolutely. Um, and watching them and being a student and, mm. you know, and seeing what they did. And I did, I just absolutely loved it. And I worked at a place that was pretty big. Mm. And so there was three or four barbacks at a time. And I remember putting, you know, 16 cases of canned Coors Light on a dolly and wheeling it through a patio crowd on the water and just passing, you know, rich people and beautiful women. And I'm just, you know, <laughs> hunkering through with this Coors Light and I get behind the bar and I put in, and it was just, I don't know, something about it. It, it was a, it was a hard day's work mm. and it felt good and you got rewarded. Okay. So, uh, let's talk about, how, you know, and then what, what were you doing next? Like how, what were the steps? What were the, the, the different stages and evolution that got to you to where you are okay. now? So bar back and I didn't know if it was going to be a long-term thing, but I fell in love with the industry okay. and I got out of school. I worked at an advertising agency and I've always done the artwork, but I did, I realized I could now get my foot in the door as a bartender, the big time, you know? And once that happened and I got a taste of the money and the lifestyle, again, I just fell in love with it. And I realized I could do more and have more fun and more freedom doing that than the typical uh, marketing company, which I toyed around with a little bit in the nineties. So I was restaurants, you know, full born from, uh, the late nineties on and really got into bartending heavily. Uh, I got a lot into flair bartending and not the cocktail Tom Cruise, annoying bartender that can't make a drink, but going, joining the FBA and going down to quest for the best and the sky vodka competitions and the Vegas stuff. 
actually learning from people like Dale DeGroff and, you know, the Sky Vodka trainers and some of these professionals where the competitions were really based more on pouring and accuracy and working flair rather than just being a circus performer, which is, I think, a big misconception in the industry, especially back then. Okay. So it, it was just this big community that ended up being across the country. I got to travel around the country doing competitions, doing guest bartending spots, creating contests. And that was really what I did for most of 98 to like 2003 while I was still bartending in Northern Virginia where I ended up at a place called Bungalow Billiards, which was just a hot spot in Loudoun County, the area I'm in now. And uh, that was really, I guess, the heyday or the, quote, rock star you know, portion of the career before I got talked into management. So as you evolve as a bartender, right. uh, what what was it exactly that drew you into, you know, or away from the, you know, you said more freedom, which I found right. was interesting. So I'm curious, like, what do you mean by freedom? Like, what was it really that drew you away from this advertising marketing background into more of what is your passion? I just, I, I did. I really, I studied a lot of successful people. I love self-help books and things like that. And at the time I was realizing that, you know what, you're, you're, you're somebody else's slave in corporate America and you're working 40 hours a week and there's a chance you can get fired at any time. But a bartender, you're like a gunslinger. You're a gun for hire. And if you can build a name for yourself and you can build a reputation, you're going to become very valuable mm. and people are going to want you to work at their place. And if you can go above and beyond and create contests and promotions and you're traveling and you're bringing in new cocktails and doing things like that at a time when bartenders really weren't doing that. This is 20 you know 25 years ago. Um, I just felt so much freedom. I would work Wednesday through Saturday nights. And I was off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I had to wash my clothes. I had to go deposit all my money in the bank and go out with my friends and then do it all over again on Wednesday. And it really was, you know, like a rock star lifestyle that I just, I fell in love with it. And if I wanted to pick up shifts and make more money, I could. <laughs> okay. So you said, you said something that I think was just really valuable there. I want to put emphasis on it. Uh, building repetition and becoming valuable. Um, was that intentional? When you're doing these competitions, when you're traveling and becoming a person of value, were you, was this just happening organically? Or were you like, hey, if I, if I really want to be serious about this industry, I need to start, you know, developing that repetition and winning these competitions and being somebody that can provide value to someone else's business. Like, was that intentional or take me through what was going on there? Um, a friend of mine, we uh, stumbled into a competition, a flair bartending competition. We had no idea what it was. And we went down uh, to Orlando, Florida for the Skyvodka Quest for the Best and met people now that are huge in the industry. Tobin Ellis, who's been on Bar Rescue with John Taffer, who owns Bar Magic out in Vegas, got to meet him. And Christian Delpesh, some of these just these great, great bartenders at the time. And I didn't even know like a free pour. You know, I mean, we were just winging it back in the day. So they're doing pouring contests. And you really had to learn how to pour so you could score points. So I was taking that back to my restaurant and showing these other bartenders like, hey, let's not be hacks. Let's pour the proper way. There's a right way to do this. Went to the nightclub and bar convention. And that's like, you know, a veil is lifted off most people. If you've never seen the industry on a whole, if you've never been to conventions and trade shows, you don't really know what's out there. Some people think it's just pouring a beer in a shot. So when we're learning how to pour better. We're learning which spill stop metal pour spouts are the best to have on a bottle. Still the number 285s. Uh, Libby glasswares, you know, some of the best glassware in the industry. These little tricks of the trade I got to see. And I feel like I brought those back and unconsciously, yeah, I guess created a little bit of value for myself and it was pretty unconscious but as time went on i realized like you know what i can start developing menu and cocktail concepts for the restaurant i can show these general managers and bosses that i can bring more value to the bar if they would just listen you know to what i'm sharing with them um and it worked awesome i mean you know. some of the, the key things i'm taking away from you obviously just you know 
becoming that person of value. Uh, I feel like so often people who want to be successful in this industry just have that dream, but they don't do anything about it. They don't take any action to to develop a skill, to bring something to the table so they can surround themselves with the right people, uh, the, the people that want them on their team. Um, yep. So uh, let's talk about that time where you started really kind of transitioning to uh, more of a management role. You said, I think 2000, I'm trying to keep notes as you're going, but was it 2003 you started being right more about, yep. management? So uh, what series of events made you go into that management role? What was the intent there? Um, I think everybody, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people that go from bar back and dishwasher and part-time and then bartender, you know, on service bar, and then you're the rock star bartender. Eventually you realize another thing is you're only going to make so much. So now I'm at the point going, I've got the great uh, schedule. I'm making a lot of money. I'm doing well, but I'm never going to make more unless I get a piece of the action or I open a bar, which is everybody's dream. So I'm even doing, I'm doing those Wednesday through Saturday night shifts and I'm killing it, but still on Monday, I'm depositing pretty much the same amount of money. And I'm close to 30 some years old at this point. So uh, my general manager and owner of the place I was working, my mentor to this day, uh, talked me into, basically he pulled me aside and said, it's time. And he lived the same life, you know, back in the eighties that I was living in the nineties. And he goes, it's a natural transition. I want you to manage the place. You've got the experience. Let me teach you the back of the house it was a pay cut and eventually became the general manager of that restaurant. And I liked it. I didn't fall in love with it. And what happened was with that combined experience and the bar experience, I stumbled into the Ashburn pub, the place that I own now today um, at a point when I was kind of stuck. I was a general manager and a regional manager doing okay. And I was doing my artwork on the side and I had a long look in the mirror and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start my graphic design and art business at 35 years old. And I said, what I'll do is maybe I could bartend one or two nights a week and I'll get my art business going. And maybe that's what I was supposed to do. It was a big change. And I walked into this place, the Ashburn pub, little neighborhood bar it was open about eight years. I knew the owner and I said, Hey, I heard somebody left. Can I pick up two shifts? And he said, no, I just filled it. So I walked out my tail between my legs and his wife who knew me and kind of knew my quote reputation or whatever she grabbed him and said, you know who that was? Call it. Get him back here. And I was a mile down the road. <laughs> he called me. He's like, ah, you want to manage one night and bartend one night? And I was like, I'll take it. And it was kind of funny. So I had, you know, I had a pretty good crowd, I guess, or a following, whatever. And uh, we worked really symbiotic for a while. One thing led to another. And I did my artwork on the side, which was great. And I still do to this day, kind of for fun. But eventually it was two shifts, then three shifts, okay. you know, then four. And uh, in 2008, he sat me down and said, I want you to buy out my partner. So real quick, uh, what year did you first approach him? 2005. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Timeline here. 2000. Yeah. So in three years, uh, he you know made you an offer. He approached you with this offer. But before we really get into that, I kind of want to okay. put some emphasis on um, some really key things I think we, we could dive into. And that's cool. Um, you, you made a conscious decision. You, you recognize that you, you kind of hit the ceiling as a bartender and you weren't going to ever make any more money. And you had the 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 discipline, uh, the, you know, intelligence to recognize that, yeah, you know, I might have to take a pay cut right now. Um, right. but there's way more potential after I, I make this initial sacrifice. So what was going through your head? How, what were you, you know, can you remember the conversation you were having with yourself for somebody who might be in your position, who is bartending and wants to own a restaurant, but won't leave that position because they don't want to take the pay cut. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was a pay cut. And like I said, you, you get tired five nights a week on your feet, same people yelling at you, the same people talking to you, the same girl, you know, all that stuff. It wears you out. And mm -hmm. the people that do it for 10 years, God bless them. So your wheels get a little tired. And again, my mentor and the owner of that place, he never promised me ownership, but he was like, you know, we could do things in the future. 
And he was genuine. You know, he was opening other restaurants. So that was my gig. I said, I can live with some short-term pain for long-term gain. And I don't think too many people nowadays have patience. Everybody wants things immediately. You have to pay your dues in one way, shape, or form or another. And that's what I felt I was doing. So now I've got the front of the house experience. I know how to do promotions. I know how to bartend every aspect. Now I know food cost. I know management to some degree. And I wouldn't say it was intelligence to maybe do that. It was just, it was just timing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I'm ready for the change. And then I got to the point where the management stuff, where it wasn't really happening there either. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what to do. Okay. And it was an interesting time. Yeah. I mean, just listening to you talk reminds me of what a recent guest who was just on the show, Chef Marcus Giuliani, who said, never take a job or you know work in a job for the money. Work in the job for what you're going to learn. Yes. And especially in this industry, I mean, you can't know enough. You're, there's so much to learn. Um, and just having that, you know, I mean, maybe it was just fate. Maybe you were sick of what you were doing, but um, it, you know, when you, when you've learned enough in one role and you've kind of hit that ceiling, um, you, you've got to have the discipline to say, you know what, it's time for the next challenge. It's time to yes. become more valuable. It's, you know, and offer something to somebody else. And I love that. Well, first I'm curious. Um, so it was 2005 you approached the folks over at the Ashburn. Um, yep. When did you you know make that transition to manager? 2003 was it? So it was about two, but around 2003, 2004, I okay. was the general manager of uh, this place, Bungalow Billiards. And I left there and that's when I was like, maybe I should do my artwork. And I walked in the Ashburn pub just for supplemental income. Okay. So looking back, it's funny how fate and decisions can happen because okay. all I wanted was Sunday, Monday nights behind the bar, make 400 bucks. And see if I could build my art business and kind of put the restaurant thing as, you know, on the side. I switched roles. And the pub was such a cheers neighborhood place. It was the best tip money I've ever seen. I still call it the best kept secret in the state of Virginia for what the staff makes. And they deserve it. And they work very hard. Um, and all of a sudden, after about a year, I'm like, man, I'm falling in love with this again. You know, here it goes. <laughs> awesome. And after a couple of years, I got more shifts and more shifts. And in 2008, like I said, the original owner, he sat down with me and wanted me to come aboard. And looking back, it's just, you know, I want to get into more of the Ashburn, but first I'm curious. I mean, okay. 2003, uh, you started focusing on management. you met this yep. guy. I can't remember the, the, the billiards place. Um, right. and he said, you know, we own other places. There's opportunity. He kind of, you know, convinced, yep. you, you know, it's time. What happened in that situation where, um, you didn't stay with that company? Um, what was like, where There's did just, that go just, it, it wasn't a bad decision. It wasn't a bad split. He wasn't dangling a carrot. Just the way the company went, there really wasn't room for me to get there fast enough. And I looked at it and said, maybe if I stay with this guy for 10 years, it'll come or five years. It looked more long term. So I just felt like I was a little stagnated. No offense to him per se. Yeah. But I just uh, I just said, you know what? I, I've learned the back of the house. I've learned the front of the house. I'm looking around. There's not a lot of opportunity. So let me try something else. Dude, we need to put emphasis on something real quick. Um, not necessarily if you're that person who is trying to get this experience and trying to climb the ladder. But if you are the person who is at the top, be conscious of what <laughs> opportunities you're prevent or providing your people. I mean, people want to grow. And if you yes. don't provide opportunity to them, if they don't feel like they're growing, it's a natural human need, the sense of personal growth. We need it. And if, yep. if we're not getting that desire fulfilled, 
people are going to leave you. Good people like yourself will go someplace else. So be really conscious of what your people want and help them get it. And if even if that means opening another location, if they have what it takes, be that person that invests in them. I think that's, that getting, alone is a great lesson right there. We can circle back to this because I have people right now and I talked to another mentor in the industry and he goes, I said, man, I got a great staff right now. And he goes, if they're that great, they're going to leave. <laughs> telling me to get off my you know get off my butt That's and do great, stuff so, I love it. but you're right you're exactly right so i'm curious um so you started picking up a shift to supple for supplemental income it grew over time before you know it three years later they're offering you ownership in this building you, you said that, that you started following not the building but the business you you said you started falling in love with it again. So what was different about the Ashburn, the energy, what, you know, the, the people, the culture, what was going on in that restaurant that you think turned, turned the lights back on for you and reignited your passion? Um, it was definitely not corporate. Like everybody says, it's the cheers of Loudoun County, Virginia. The Ashburn pub was, um, when he opened it in 1995, it was farmland. There was like two main roads. And as you know, like Dulles airport was there or is there, um, AOL's headquarters are there. Worldcom it's, they call it Silicon Valley of the East. And it was just starting to boom. And Loudoun County has the highest median income in the country for the past five years. Wow. So it's a very dense, wealthy, a lot of government contracts, a lot of transients, a lot of sports fans. Redskin park is there. So the Ashburn pub, Mark, the original owner put his flag down in 95 and from day one was busy. Uh, home cooked food, you know, wing night, dollar beer night, uh, base, you know, football games. So I just fell in love with the culture. It was very relaxed. I had the keys of the kingdom. I was bringing in a lot of customers from the other places I worked. I was fine tuning some of the drink recipes and bringing some value to the promotions at a time when he was um, in the business for a long time. So he was transitioning outward. And it was just the right time, the right feel. The people were great. And there wasn't a, t honestly, there wasn't a ton of responsibility. <laughs> it was really great because I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a free for all, but it was a very fun place to work where someone wasn't looking over your shoulder every five minutes. Um, and you could kind of do what you wanted as long as you continue to bring business and obviously be ethical and do that stuff. And it just, it was a great fit. Yeah. Um, so I just want to put you know emphasis on the importance of culture and, uh, the oh. importance of soul and having, you know, character and with, and just, you know, creating a place where people can come and enjoy going to work, uh, is cannot be, uh, you can't over it. You can't put too much value on that. No. Um, but you also mentioned you were able to provide value. Um, you were able to come in. Uh, was that something you didn't feel like you could do in your previous role was provide value, teach people. Was that, was that, um, not being met at the other opportunity? Um, I guess I think they were set in their little bit more corporate ways and they had things under control. And it was a matter, like I said, of uh, I was a cog in the machine and I was doing well and I was bringing value. But it was a long road to get to the top, almost like corporate America, where at the Ashburn Pub, I came in and this, again, was, you know, early 2005. I redid the website. I set mm. up the Twitter account. Uh, we rearranged the office. I brought in uh just better looking flyers and graphic design. I painted a mural uh, inside the bar. We actually did some little bit of remodeling here and there. So just things that I wanted to do because I cared about the culture, as, you know, as you could say. So I was bringing that in at a time when the owner was very busy doing everything, probably tired. And he's like, here, I got a guy that cares about the place and he's going to you know, make us relevant. Mm. Man, 
<laughs> there's a huge lesson in this and uh just when when you get opportunities you know just listening to you talk it sounded like you didn't have the opportunity to flex your muscle do what you can do really you know express yourself creatively and when you came to this new opportunity at the ashburn um you treated it like you owned it and you you provided value you you took your unique abilities your you know your artistic ability your your uh i think you're doing advertisement and marketing before you you got right. that part of it and then you you i think you know you you help i guess just flood new uh energy and new possibilities and when when you i'm i'm a long-winded at this point but <laughs> But what I, the point I'm trying to make is like you didn't go to the the gentleman at the Ashburn. What was his name? Mark. Mark, and say, hey, Mark, what can you do for me? You started just doing things for Mark, and right. in three years, you know what would have taken you ten years at the other location, you've got an incredible business opportunity on you know your lap. Um, do you want to just reflect on anything? Any I think that's I, I think that's really true, and and I learned a lot at the other place bungalows. Which again, one of my mentors, uh, Keith Early, big giant in the industry around here. I learned so much from him that it was great because now he's one of my biggest fans. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes to the pub every uh, month and he gets his steak, egg, and cheese and his Guinness, and I always ask him how's everything look. So it's really cool to see that. I think he's like a proud papa. You know, he's that's like cool. you found your place. And when I went to Mark, I mean, it was just, it was a great symbiotic relationship. Mark's an old school guy, old school bartender, old school bar owner. And there's a saying that I believe in too is there's no enthusiasm like new enthusiasm. So every time my staff gets a little complacent, there's nothing better than a new server coming in who's just fired up with a new crowd of friends or a a manager that has a new look in things. I never squashed that amongst my staff now. So I just think I brought new enthusiasm and the customers responded. Uh, me and Mark responded well with each other. And even Mark would sit me down sometimes and I'd say, Mark, I got this great idea. And he'd be like, well, let me tell you, I tried that in 1998 and uh, this married couple ended up fighting, getting divorced because of that idea, you know, like something crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, I never thought of it that way. So I still got to learn those Obi-Wan lessons from the master of, you know, the Ashburn pub while still bringing, you know, my new enthusiasm, I guess. Awesome. So, yeah. Since 2008, we're almost, you know, at 10 years now, you've been a owner, 100% owner or part owner? Part owner. Part owner. Okay. So you've had ownership for now 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. What would you, just reflecting back over this time, um, what were some of the biggest lessons or aha moments or evolutionary moments in your life that you think made, I don't want to say this, like what things did you just figure out that had the biggest impact on your business? I think you learn by, you know, trial and error, obviously, and that's that's a big lesson in life. And when he first sat down with me in 2008, he's like, I want you to basically be my partner. Um, his parents actually had first started the business with him. They were on the ABC license. They were ready to move on and retire. And I'm like, I don't have any money. I, I don't know what really to do. You know, this, this was very new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he held my hand through the process a little bit. And what happened was with a very little bit of money and a lot of sweat equity, I was able to recruit 15% of the business in 2008. Okay. And each year it would go up 10% until I was at 45%. So it was a lot of sweat equity and learning as I go. And I think the biggest aha moment really was when I left that conversation and I was like, I'm about to become a bar owner. I don't know how, but (laughs) yes, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I said, I can figure it out. I know I can figure it out. I know the ins and outs. I know the back of the house. It's not rocket science. And I'm going to figure this out. And what a great opportunity because so many people want to open a bar, right? Everybody wants to open a bar and they want to put their football team on the wall mm-hmm. and they want to put their name on it and their, and their mom's recipe. But the market determines that. 
And I think the one aha thing I can say is I know that I'm in Redskins country. So I might be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I'm not going to put Eagles on the wall. I will put Redskins on the wall because the market wants it. I'm not going to shove my agenda down their throat. And I remember thinking that, like, the market is here. I know these people. I'll figure this out as we go. Beautiful. Uh, so just, you know, you can't put enough emphasis on just knowing that market. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about what you want. It's about giving mm-hmm. your people what they want. I'm totally on board with that. Um, what were some of the other big takeaways that, you know, I mean, even today, now that you, you're the owner of the Ashburn, but you also have another business. How did you get to the point where you could successfully operate one business and have time to open another business? What certain things did you have to do to, to pull that off? I think... Um like a real quick timeline. So what happened was in 2008, we started together. And then about four years later, Mark was ready to leave and go to Florida. So we had to figure out how I'm sitting at 45%. How can I get hundred percent? What's the, what is the business worth? He obviously wants to sell me the rest of it. Right. Yeah. So through some very, well, it was funny. I remember going to my wife, I'm like, I'm going to buy the rest of the pub. And my wife's like, that's awesome. And I'm like, isn't it? And she's like, where are we going to get the money? And I'm like, I don't know. That's the least of my worries. <laughs> And through some creative financing, some beg borrowing and stealing, some savvy investing and some pleading, I was able to do that and retire Mark to Florida. He was very happy with the deal and I was able to take it over. But all the things that people have been saying for those five years of you guys should do this to the bathroom or you should get a different wine or you should put this beer on tap. I just kept those in my head because a lot of things I wasn't able to do. And when I took it over, I closed for three days. I did a John Taffer, you know, 72 bar rescue and people responded so well. And it wasn't because I was smart. I just listened to what the market wanted. And I ended up looking like a genius and sales went up 30%. And it's been you know off to the races. So when it came time to open another business, I wasn't cocky about it. But I felt that, well, I know how credit card merchants work. I know how inventory works. I know how to manage people. I know I have a payroll company. I have a buddy that does insurance. I have another guy that does my credit cards. I can use those skills to another business as a foundation. So. Mm. That is a huge lesson. Listen to your people. Your yes. market will tell you what yes. they want. And it's as simple as just putting a survey card out. And the people that just don't even take advantage of that or just listening, simply just listening. If, you, if you're listening, the people will tell you what it will take to be successful. There's tons of tools out there that can help you listen. But um, huge lesson. And just taking some notes on you, some things I noticed about you doing my research, the emphasis you put on fun and just... You, just talking to you and, and I almost I, got, I spent the past hour before this interview just I feel like I know you watching your YouTube <laughs> right. videos and just living what you believe in do you want to reflect on anything I said um, I, and again people say you're the sum of the five people in your circle or you should have mentors and you're a part of everything you learn and things like that and I don't have any original ideas I've hacked everything let's be honest we all have in one way or another but one person I learned from, Jimmy Cerrito, who owns Jimmy's Old Town Tavern in Herndon, Virginia. It's a Buffalo Bills bar in the middle of Virginia. And he's crushing it. Um, he's been a speaker at the nightclub and bar show. And I remember going there. He's the master of promotions. We went there on a Tuesday night, five guys. It's a dead night on Tuesday. And all of a sudden, the music cranks up. The lights go down. He comes out in this glitter jacket and goes <laughs> on the microphone and goes, ladies and gentlemen, you won't believe it. You're here on Tuesday night. It's paper airplane night. And we're like, what? You can win a Jimmy's T-shirt. And he had a contest where he took um, placemats, folded paper airplanes, taped off a line, and had to throw them into the dining room. Who's ever went furthest won a T-shirt. But it was such the it was it sounds ridiculous, but you can imagine how everybody gets competitive, right? There's little old ladies in the corner folding it. The bartenders are doing it. They're screaming. We stayed there for four hours, and I still to this day remember it. And he pulled me aside. He goes, "You can make a promotion out of anything. It's all about having fun." And I've never forgotten that. 
So we'll have, you know, you can do it on the uh, on anything if you promote it. And I also believe you have to give value to mm. the customer. Just saying you got dollar beers is not going to do it. Jimmy gave me value because he created what would have been a boring night. Five guys would have spent 50 bucks and went home. We probably spent $500 doing shots, hugging each other, taking pictures and high-fiving over a paper airplane contest. <laughs> so he's the reason. There's another gentleman, Billy Riley, that does the fastest bartender contest back in the day. These guys are were amazing at just creating promotions out of thin air rather than the typical karaoke, poker, ladies' night, you know, dollar beer night, yeah. which is passe. It really taught me a lot. So everything we do, we always make sure we give value and make it as fun as possible. The best things in life are free. And at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, everybody just wants to be happy. If you can find a way to create happiness, to inject that kind of positive energy into your restaurant. I mean, that's the best way to add value is just... I'm going to go to that restaurant that I know I'm going to have a good time at because that's what why we go out to forget every other piece of shit thing that's happening that's right. in our life. That's right. Just provide value. Make people happy. It's so valuable. You know, one other thing I, I wanted to put emphasis on doing my research, doing my homework, watching your YouTube videos, uh, and you kind of briefly mentioned it earlier when you did your, your, your makeover and people were saying to, I I don't understand why, why did you change things? Like it was perfect the way it was. There was no need to change things. And you said clean, functional, relevant. What do you mean by keeping things clean, functional and relevant? All right. This might be the only thing that is my own original idea. This might be the book I write one day. So that's my mantra, clean, functional and relevant in any business, in any store Let's be honest. John Taffer will say this. You'll never see a bar or restaurant go to business full of beautiful ladies. And you can ask any lady. The first thing they look at is the cleanliness of a restroom in a restaurant or any business. Because if the restroom is clean, they're going to think the kitchen is clean, the place is clean. So one thing I did, redid the bathrooms, super clean. It's a big emphasis on my staff to this day, keeping things clean. There has not been one fruit fly behind my bar since I've been there. Like I'm fanatical about cleaning. So that's very important. Functional, if the door's broken, fix it. How many times have you been to a bar or restaurant, especially like the Ashburn pub? Because it is like a cheersy, not a dive, but it's a little, you know, neighborhood pub where, oh, the jukebox hasn't worked in five years, you know, or the, the cigarette machines, you know, the marble lights are always broken or the lock on the ladies' room door. So those things happen. You have to stay on top of it immediately. You have to keep things functional because people see that. And then relevant doesn't mean that you have to have everything digital and I don't need to have a Snapchat account for the Ashburn pub and be, you know, off the radar craft beer mixology. We're still a beer and a shop bar. We are a bit of a throwback, but guess what? We do have our own app. We do have, um, things that are relevant to this day and age, whether it's programming, lighting, whatever it is. So those three things that maybe, like I said, is the only original idea that's ever popped into this into this head. But those are three things. Every time we have a meeting or I feel things are slipping or something might be wrong, I go down that checklist and that seems to fix a lot. Kevin, I love what you just shared with us. And just to reflect on that clean and functional side of things, as soon as you, in part of my language, as, as soon as you <laughs> don't give a fuck and uh, we swear on here now. All yeah, right, man. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you just don't give an F, if, sorry if I offended yeah, anybody. No. Um, it's over. That's when it starts to fall apart. And there's no better way to communicate that you don't care and that you don't give an F when you s- just don't fix things and you don't keep yep. things clean. Like you don't need to say you don't care. Your actions will speak for you. So I mean, if you got to communicate with your actions. People won't remember what they say. They'll remember what you do and how you made them. Oh. feel. So 
Love 100%, it, dude. Um, 100%. Yeah, beautiful. Do you want to add anything to what I just said? or I just put a new urinal, urinal in the other day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you an example, though. And another friend of mine, actually, who's managed um, sports arenas and things like that, taught me lessons about bathrooms. But he went in one day. He's like, hey, somebody scratched their initials above the urinal in the wood. Really couldn't see it. I didn't think it was that big a deal at the time. And I sanded it. I repainted it. A week later, the same person did it again. And he goes, and my buddy goes, do it again. I sanded it, repainted it. Happened a third time, sanded it, repainted it. It's never happened again. Man. Because it, it, I don't know if it's true, but I feel like that person was like, this guy's not going to stop. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I won the fight. And we have a sign in our bathrooms that says, you know, we love our brand new restrooms. We did this for you. Please help us keep them clean. And I can't tell you how many times regulars have been like, hey, I just changed the paper in the men's room for you. Or this is clo- like they they feel ownership and it's a fine line because sometimes you got to watch the entitlement. But our regulars and our customers, they have now it's taken a few years. They take pride in the pub when something is broken. And Man. that speaks volume. That is what you do to create a culture everywhere, yep. not just within, you know, with your, your employees, your team, but with your customers and say, this is the kind of establishment we are. Um, and do you, did you know who it was that was doing it? Nope. Nope. Oh, it was okay. just, I, I thought it was a funny anecdote. I'm like, I told my buddies, I'm like, man, what the fuck? And he goes, fix it again, fix it again. And I remember it stopped and I was like, I won. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's a good anecdote. And I think, yeah. and I always talk about that. Beautiful. I love it, man. And, uh, just to kind of come full circle, I just want to put the emphasis on the relevant part. Uh, I think just talking about that relevance, uh, reminded me so much of Jeff or Jeff Benjamin. Okay. I believe front of the house, uh, the author of the front of the house, uh, the director of operations for the Vetri restaurant group in that book, he talks about just keeping fresh. And even mm-hmm. though you, things might not be broken, uh, people, when you freshen things up and you stay relevant, it just, again, it just talks to, you know, that level of standards that you are willing to hold yourself accountable to. And yes, nothing speaks louder than what you're willing to do to stay fresh and relevant. Um, so beautiful stuff, man. I love it. Oh, this is great. So I hadn't made one more note. First, let me just ask you, is there anything else that you feel like we need to talk about that we haven't spoken about yet? No, I mean, the one thing I can say when touching on that is we are the old school neighborhood pub. So people, it's, I feel like we're vinyl, you know, everybody else is CD or MP3, whatever, but I don't, it's hard because people ask you, I've built my entire business all on social media. Mm. And a lot of people, I don't think understand that, the TV is now the radio and the phone is now the TV. I mean, everybody's in their hand. If you want to reach people, people want to stay relevant. And all these advertisers are like, you should do Valpac coupons. You should do newspaper. You should do radio. You should do things like that. I won't do it because everybody's attention is digital. Mm-hmm. So even we are, once I get them in the door, the experience is old school cheers, beer, shot, steak, burger, high fives. The way that we're marketing and the way that we're reaching people is marketing like it's 2017. And that's one thing I've really put emphasis on, even with the staff, because instead of paying one person to do my quote marketing BS, as a team, we can do it ourselves. And that's been really relevant and really uh, it's worked really well. I'm happy you went here. I I did want to ask you about your marketing. I mean, that's one thing. Your your marketing game is on point, dude. Uh, Like super relevant content, just you know, driving traffic attention to your events, being engaging. Um, you're not just broadcasting things. You're providing right. value. You're providing entertainment. Um, g- like, give us like just two nuggets of knowledge, two value bombs on what you know about good marketing and how we can do that in our restaurants. 
Um, I would encourage everybody that's listening to download and listen to Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah. if you don't know who he is, social media marketing guy. But he talks about that. He goes, you have to find out where people's attention are. So I laugh when I have people come in off the street going, well, I'll make table tents that say Jameson. I'm like, that's great. When's the last time you read a table tent? Everybody's <laughs> face is in the phone. And I'm not talking about banner ads or pop-up ads, but engaging and creating relationships. It is the remote control for life. It's where we're going, whether people like it or not. So how can you use that technology? And don't just post dollar beer Thursday. Don't just post, hey, I'm working Friday. I need to make rent. Come see me on bartending. But post content that is document. I love this. Document, don't create. Mm. You don't have to be flashy. I got videos of my chef making soup, a 30-second video asking him what's in the soup, and that gets 35 hits and all these comments. What do I do? I go back and engage with each person saying, hey, I'm working Wednesday. Stop and I'll let you try the soup. Where if you look at a lot of companies, they hire these social media gurus and all they do is post pictures of their steak and saying it's on sale. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to be sold anymore. So I'm a big believer in giving value and I'm in the best business because I'm a content machine. I could have people pouring drinks. I could have people talking sports. I have so much content and you're going to see a lot from the Ashburn Pub in the next six months. We're really going to push that out because Facebook advertising right now is the best ROI Mm -hmm. in the game. Mm. And if people aren't taking advantage of it, I think they're going to miss out because in two years, a $50 or $20 Facebook post that generates all this information is going to be twice the money in two years. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of this stuff. Um, I'm not living digitally. Like if smoke signals is where everybody's looking tomorrow, I'll do Ashburn Pub smoke signals. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? You do so what's that's what I, yeah, I've yeah. learned. Yeah, I've learned that from other people. Where's everybody's attention nowadays and how can you find them? And each platform is different. I'll do something on Snapchat that I won't do on Instagram. And I'll tell stories on Facebook because our average age at the pub is probably 40. It's a little bit older. So they're on Facebook and I can story tell there and document what's happening at the pub. But on Instagram, I might just show pictures of the menu and things like that. So it's, it's fun for me. I, again, f- I love doing this stuff. Yeah. And I think people appreciate it if you engage with them. Yeah. And uh, you already mentioned that y- your primary source of staying plugged in and, and up to date is Gary Vanderchuk. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a blog I'll link to, a few books that have been mentioned on the show. Uh, but you also, I noticed you, you, you're, you seem like a very technically inclined person, an artistic person. Do you do your own editing? And if, if you do, where did you go to learn um, the the hard, you know, the hard skills of editing video? And like, was that just some, just diving in and doing it? Movie, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's funny too because people like God, you. I didn't know how to do this either. You know what I mean? Again, trial and error and figuring mm-hmm. it out. And I, and I do like the creative side of it, though. Some okay. people aren't just akin to it. Yep. I can't build a good website for shit. Um, <laughs> and I'm always in a rush to edit. But you do but have a great website, by the way. It's <laughs> Thanks. But what's fun in this day and age is the, the phone is so good, the microphone and the video. Yeah. And I don't think people care as much anymore. Look at Facebook Live. It's kind of grainy. It's kind of gorilla. But – God, you're right in somebody's living room or you're right in the Ashburn pub when I go Facebook Live. So I think the glossy editing you save for some content, right? Like you want to use it when you want to look good. But just documenting the simple things, 30 seconds here or there is so awesome right now. Um, We love it. You know, I'm trying to encourage my staff to do more because if there's 10 of me doing this, we're going to reach 10 times more people. I love it. it, The way I like to think about it is don't focus on social media. Focus on being something incredible. Uh, being something that people care about, creating something that people care about, caring mm-hmm. about other people. And honestly, the, the best way to get people to care about you is when you care about other people. But then, like you said, just document it. Don't focus on getting creative. Focus on being awesome and yes. then just hit record. Yeah. 
or yeah, you, and, <laughs> you know, and show, you know what? I, and I think you can show mistakes. I would love to have a video of me breaking glassware or something that went wrong because it shows you're human. You're yeah. not just shoving down someone's throat. And I, I just got about four requests today to do some more fundraising stuff at the pub, which we do a ton of because I don't have to jump through a lot of red tape to do this stuff. And yes, I get more customers when I do fundraisers. Yes, it makes me, quote, look good. But honest to God, we've done some fundraisers where I've handed people a check and they've literally cried because it's made an impact on your life. And it's due to my staff. And and it's awesome. And you can't put a price on that. And it's amazing when you give what happens. No it's so feeling. true. Yeah, yeah I true. love it, man. Um, I can't believe we're already at 44 minutes or 45 <laughs> minutes while wow, time's flying. Um, I got to get a failure. When was the time... Kevin, you just fell hard on your ass. Tell us about it. Let's let's find a good one because I'm sure there's been plenty. Um, I did a bartending contest at Bungalows where I was going to be the big guy. We had this big prize money. People are flying in from Vegas, right, to do all their bottle flipping and all stuff. And I thought it was going to be fantastic. And I was so caught up into hanging out with these other bartenders that the promotion did not go that well. It was over at midnight. Sales weren't what we expected. We were down money. And I learned that the captain goes down with the ship. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't own the place, this was my big chance to put on a great promotion. The promotion failed for a number of reasons. Number of reasons. And at 1230, I was getting ready to leave. I'm like, all right, we're all done. I'm going to go hang out with these guys and go drink till 2 in the morning. And the boss pulls me aside and goes, uh-uh. You got to clean this up. You got to do the reports. You got to show me the number. You know what I mean? Captain goes down with the ship. So yeah. there's four of these bartenders from Vegas and California that I looked up to that wanted to go hang out and they just left my bar. And I'm just looking at them like a sad puppy. I had to go back and sweep. I had to do the inventory. I had to clean. I had to run the numbers and basically look at the bottom line going, man, I fucked it. Like this yeah. sucked. And I'll never, ever do a promotion where, and which I really don't anymore. But when I do a promotion, guess what? I'm the first one there. I'm the last one to leave because if you lead by example, your staff will follow through, your customers will see that you care, and you can make sure that you don't fail in the promotion. So we just did our chili cook-off. I was there at 7 a.m. setting up tables to make sure we were set up correctly. You know what I mean? So that was the one time, and I took it I took it right in the jaw. Man, that's a great story. <laughs> uh, and how do you think – you mean you kind of – but how are you better now uh, because of that experience, do you think? I guess it just, honestly it just comes with age. Like I said, just planning. Like I, if we have a meeting, like we have a meeting scheduled, a bar cleaning, a bar meeting at 8 a.m., I will do whatever it takes, which is not hard nowadays, but to be the first one there with yeah. coffee and donuts. I never want to be walking in at 8.01. You know, and Mark Eckert from the Ashburn pub told me just like my staff, you never want to be late. If you're scheduled at five o'clock, you get there five minutes early. Awesome. If you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. It's like a train leaving the station. If your train's leaving at five o'clock and you get there at five Oh one, you're going to make it on your trip. So that's how every shift should be. Mm, I love it, man. And so <laughs> beautiful. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one 
easy to access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor or it factors habits traits characteristics things you believe most contribute to your success 100% 100% positive attitude. 100%. Awesome. What is your biggest weakness? I hate confrontation. Oh, how do you deal with that? Make somebody else do it. No, I've gotten better over the years, but I, I genuinely like people and I don't want to make people upset. And I hate calling people out on something they did wrong, but I've learned that you have to do it to be successful. You have to. You know, I, I'm right there with you. And I think people who are uh, naturally gravitate towards this industry, uh, successful people, they they don't like making people unhappy. It's not in us to make other people unhappy. We just don't like it. We like to avoid it. But like you said, um, Sometimes if it's not best for the team or for you or even for that person, you're not doing that person any favors by not saying something. And I think that's how I get over that is knowing nobody wins when I don't say something. Any reflection? That's right. I've had to actually very recently make two big decisions on personnel. One at uh, my other business at the comic shop, one at the pub, and it was hard and I didn't sleep well at night doing it. But looking long term, I knew it had to be done. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yep. What is one piece of advice you have for leading others? You have to lead by example. I think we touched on it. Be the first one there. Be the last one to leave until you can get to a point where now I don't stay till last call very much anymore because I'm, I'm working on the business instead of in the business. But when I first owned the Ashburn Pub, I was there seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Yeah. And people know that. You know, Yeah, man. Uh, it reminds me of Danny Myers and uh, recently – had to reread a book I, I read, not setting the table, but small giants. And in that book, mm-hmm. he's quoted as saying, you've got to 
like a, like a baseball glove, you got to break in your business and uh, you got to put that work in. You got to, you know, make that glove fit. And it's going to mean you just being there, putting in the work. And then once you, that glove is broken in, then you can remove yourself. But, you know, you got to lead by example. That's I'm great. Be the person to show up. I, I love it. Uh, great, great stuff. What is a current challenge you're dealing with? I need more space and I can't do much outside because we don't have a patio. But for 21 years, we haven't had a patio and we've been successful. So we don't have to have it. But there's days where I see people walk in and they walk out because we're too busy. And I know that sounds like a first world problem. And, oh, that sucked. But it does. Mm. So I got to figure out a way to be more creative with the space. So how are you dealing with it? What what things are you thinking about? What things are have you done to combat this challenge? Uh, for our chili cook-off, I put a tent outside and put a food truck outside, which probably wasn't uh, all the actual rules and regulations of the state, county, and all that, but we did it. Um, <laughs> but for St. Patrick's Day, we've gotten we've rearranged furniture. We actually take furniture out. We take all the bar stools off the bar for busy promotions because people just lean against the bar. And at first, we thought people were going to freak out. No one noticed, and it created more space. So we're, we've got to be very creative with what we have. We're only 1,400 square feet. Okay. Uh, what's one question or thing you look for when you're getting new people on your team? Ooh, that's good. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know about the exact question, but I want to find out if they're teachable. That's so I would almost take somebody who is say, uh, say I hire a new server that is limited experience. That's a five in serving, but a nine in emotional intelligence or a nine in excitement or a nine in teachability. Cause you can turn a five into a 10 if they're teachable, you get someone that comes in, it's been doing it the way that TGI Fridays taught them for 10 years and they're not going to want to do it the Ashburn pub way. Not saying what we do is better, but it's our way. So, so if someone's not teachable, it's going to be tough. I'll take teachable over experience. How do you know they're like, what things are you looking for? How do you, is it a gut instinct? Do you just look for like energy excitement? Like how, how do you know that they're going to be teachable? I, I think it's the X factor. And I think you can almost tell, like when I put the word out and someone comes in, that has been, you know, well, I worked at the Ritz Carlton and I worked here and I worked there. It's a great resume, but I'd rather have somebody that knows how to deal with, you know, carrying a tray in a crowd and getting five burgers out on the to go menu versus that. Cause of what we are, what our culture is, you got to be able to, you gotta, you gotta be a rhino at the Ashburn pub. You gotta have thick skin. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is one thing besides food that your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? Um, I think off nights, I think we're really strong Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, when a lot of people pack it in or don't do lunch and things like that. We've always really strived to make the Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays strong. And you can ask my bartenders, they'd rather work a Sunday or Monday night alone than a Friday or Saturday with another bartender. So what is it uh, that you guys are doing to make these nights strong? We focus a lot on the hospitality industry, which a lot of people do, like restaurant industry people on Sundays and so forth. Okay. Um, the simple, the, the specials are really simple, but I just think it's having the right people in the right place. My bartenders are all great, but people know that on Monday they can go see Robin and Kevin. And they know what they're going to talk about and what the food might be. So this area, again, because it's such a hometown pub, I think people like having a little elbow room. You know what I mean? They don't want to come out on Friday when it's packed. They want elbow yep. room. And next yep. thing you know, we're, we have a great ring. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. What's one book that's a must read that will make us either better people or restaurant owners? Jab, Jab, Right Hook by Gary Gary Vaynerchuk. I have to admit, I've not read that one yet, but I need to. I've read it's his Crush so It. so Crush It. Jab, Jab. I've, but think, how, how many people, either in person or advertising or on the phone, say, hey, buy this car, or you know, we have $2 Bloody Marys, and that's, that's a right hook. You're asking for the sale. 
why not jab, jab, and give value? Why not say, hey, here's a video of our Bloody Mary recipe. Hey, Kevin's working Tuesday. I'll buy you your first Bloody Mary if you come in and say hi. And you continue to give value and give product and do all this stuff. And then, hey, Chili Cook-Off is on Sunday. And now you've almost sincerely, not in a bad way, but almost guilted that person into being like, well, I'm going to go on Sunday. He's asking me. I mean, look at this place. I've done so much for me. And it's sincere. It's not a ploy. But if you give value, you can ask at the end. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, I've heard, I'm very familiar with the concept. I have not read the book from what I understand. It's like the, the playbook on how to do it, um, where his other books are more like philosophy, like, you know, ask Gary V. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it's very, very practical, very tactical, but if it doesn't, and this is my opinion, I think he'll say this, if it doesn't come from sincerity, like if yep. you truly don't love that Bloody Mary and you truly don't want to talk to that person, they'll see right through your bullshit. Oh, yeah. But if you like people and you want to give them value, when it comes time to throw the right hook maybe for a charity event or the golf tournament or whatever, yep. they're going to be like, well, I'm in. Yeah, man. I mean, you know? at the end of the day, it's just the more you give, the more you care, the more genuine you are, and that's all giving, just this authentic i care i i want you to have the best day possible i want you to to, i want this world to be the best world and these are all the things i'm gonna do the more you give that when it comes time to say hey guys you know we're gonna have this fundraiser um and you know that's like you know they come out it's unbelievable Uh, it's unbelievable yeah it's It's great i think the bottom line you gotta give before you get and um What's one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurants that have increased profitability, operations, uh, communication? Like, how are you leveraging technology? Um, Right now, I think Facebook Live, I'm not going to say it's the end all be all, but people have responded pretty well to it. And I think you have to use it carefully. It's like any other tool. You can't just do it all the time. And I think you have to keep them short and sweet. But I love doing quick Facebook lives and Snapchats, just showing people kind of the behind the scenes, first person POV of my life or my staff's life in the restaurant. And it just starts that dialogue. I think in this day and age, you can't do something expecting a return right away. You almost have to do things for the long term, like my promotions, I might lose, I'm doing a promotion in the future. I know I'm going to lose money on it probably or break even, but the buzz hopefully that people talk about, like we at the Ashburn pub last Friday <laughs> will carry on for months. Oh. So I love, I love the face. I mean, like I said, though, if, if next week it's smoke signals, it's smoke signals. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever, wherever people's attention is, is where I'm going. Uh, yeah. Facebook live video in general is mm-hmm. um, huge right now. And uh, what about operations? What are you leveraging in operations and uh, the back, you know, back of house or uh, the, the, we're, the we're pretty old school. I mean, we use a basic, it's a focus POS, um, gift card software, tracking software, inventory, um, nothing really out of the ordinary. To be honest, we're pretty, we're pretty basic mom and pop when it comes to that. Um, but one thing is obviously better is we're doing our food ordering online through the app so we can actually walk around the restaurant and see where we're out of rather than going to pen and paper and things like that. But it's pretty basic. We're staying up, you know, with the updates and things like that. Um, don't even get me started on the chip reader and the swiper <laughs> technology. Cause that's just, awful uh, for the restaurant business but yeah uh, that's a episode for another day literally yes i have somebody coming on to talk about that um, <laughs> yeah you said something about uh the app is there a specific place you went uh to develop an app or is it an app that's incorporated with the pos system i'm um, actually right now we did an app through a company it didn't provide what we wanted to be honest with you so i'm working on a new one now that we're going to drop we're going to launch um but it's got to be whatever you do we've tried uh text messaging you know people get on your you know, text 555 to the Ashburn pub and we'll give you updates. Yep. Found out people really didn't like that too much. The response wasn't as good. Email marketing is pretty dead. You're getting low open rates. Um, and an app, sometimes if it has too much friction, 
meaning you got to open it and swipe one way. Yep. People aren't going to do it. It's mm-hmm. got to be so native and so simple. And right now you can't beat Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I mean, you just can't beat it because that's where people are. So we're working on something on the back end, though, that we're going to launch hopefully pretty soon. It's going to be really smooth. And are you and building so- this on your own or do you? No, nope, I'm talking to people. It's going to build it for us. Are you allowed to tell us who's building it for you? Is it? No, nope. this, this is so in the beginning stages. I can't even. Can't even. <laughs> All right. But we want to figure out a way to make but we want to make it out, uh, something unique that's less friction. That's just so key because we've, we've tried a few things. Yep. Got you. All right. With all the knowledge you have now, Kevin, if you <laughs> could go back in time and give your past version, the past version of yourself, one piece of business advice, what would it be? Wow. Like anything though, I think do it sooner. I mean, everything happens for a reason. And I stumbled through my path that we talked about to get where I am. And I don't have any regrets as far as that went, but do it sooner. Cause I sat around waiting when I was bartending. I mean, I'd drink till three in the morning, sleep till noon, get up, do it all over again. You know, like groundhog day stuff. And there's a time and place for that. I think it's a rite of passage, but jump on board and start planning. And that's what we open the show with. You know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yep. If I could have started planning sooner, I probably could have got to where I'm a little bit sooner, but I love it. And just another way to think about that is if you're comfortable, if things are easy and things are going good and you, you don't feel like you're losing control, mm-hmm. you're not going fast enough. You're not growing. Like you're either growing or you're not growing. Like you mm-hmm. need to have pedal to the metal. You need to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions because you're just going to be blah. You're not, you know, you're, you're not going to get anywhere in life. I love it. Man. Um, when I wrote that check to get the Ashburn pub, me and my wife just laid in bed staring at the ceiling. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> what? I love it. But, uh, so if there was just one question that I could have asked you that you think would have provided more value to today's conversation, what would it have been? Um, if that industry, if I wasn't in the industry, what would I be doing? Okay. So if you weren't in this industry, what would you be doing? <laughs> I still do the artwork, but I think that's an easy one that I'd love to just, you know, sit and paint and sell paintings for thousands of dollars <laughs> all the time. But I might probably, I'd probably get bored. You know, I always want to find that creative outlet yeah. doing something else. And I do love people. I think that's why I'm so active on social. So, it would probably be uh, being an artist or I go to Hollywood and try to be an actor, but I don't think I got the face for it. So, <laughs> Well, man, uh, it's been a real just treat uh, getting to know you, sharing your advice, learning, hearing your story. You got to call well, somebody out. Who is one person? Yes. Who is one person that you admire in this industry and think would be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today? Um, I got to give you more than one, I think. Yeah. Man, you can give me as many I'll, as you like. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Tobin Ellis, who's been on Bar Rescue, who was the CEO of Bar Magic out in Las Vegas, who just actually designed uh, and is now for sale his own bar, um, you know, service well, cockpit, you want to call it, okay. for bartenders. And it's it's unbelievable. Toby Ellis. Jimmy Cerrito from Jimmy's Old Town Tavern is phenomenal. He's actually expanding his business here in Virginia. He's the one that taught me about promotions. And last but not least, a gentleman named Billy Riley who was the first bartender to be in the Guinness Book of World's Records for the longest bar shift behind the bar until Jimmy broke it. Um, these guys got me to skydive out of an airplane for charity, and they are just the most amazing legends in the Northeast Mid-Atlantic area for promotion. So those two guys. So Tobin, Jimmy, Billy, look yes. up, guys. I'm yes. coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, how can we connect with you if you want to uh, – come eat at your restaurant, uh, maybe get mentored by you by working with you for you or just to check out what you got going on. How can we connect? I'd love to talk to everybody. Um, KevinBednars.com. You can find all the stuff that I'm up to there and across all social media is Kevin Bednars. That's B-E-D-N-A-R-Z. And the restaurant is the Ashburn Pub in uh, Northern Virginia. Beautiful. This is episode 300. 
and 11. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 311. You'll find all the links right there. Kevin, there is no questioning. My man, you are <laughs> unstoppable. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hope it was hope it was valuable to somebody out there. It was oh, fun. It was incredible. Cheers, man. Cheers. Well, I had a blast talking to Kevin today. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just reflecting on this conversation. One thing, uh, I, you know, or there are a bunch of things that stood out to me, but just from the very beginning, he just talked about putting in your dues and learning and putting in the hard work and becoming a person of value and going to trade shows, learning these new skills, bringing those skills back to your restaurant to, to improve your restaurant. And he has this approach of just uh, approaching restaurants uh, with w- wanting to provide them something. I think a lot of us early on, we we, uh, we pick jobs based on how much money we're going to make or what that restaurant can, can give us. But if we flip the... If we flip that idea of looking to get something and, and in, instead we, we approach restaurants with the idea of what can I give this restaurant? What can I, what unique values do I have? What unique, what unique assets do I have that I can give to this restaurant to make them better? And when we when we treat it like we own it from day one, we eventually own it. Uh, and I, <laughs> Kevin's proof of that, you know, uh, when you go in and you you don't have to be told to do those extra things to go the, the extra mile. The people who do own that business, they will recognize you. They will uh, want to invest in you. They will want to partner with you. And they're eventually going to want to leave. And when that happens, you're going to be their go-to guy. And you're going to have a great deal, uh, a great opportunity to uh, take over something that you've been treating like you own from day one. So awesome stuff. And then just the whole idea of uh, keep it clean, keep it functional, keep it, what was the last one? relevant. <laughs> I mean, if you just took that alone uh, from this interview, if you, if you can just get that concept of just keeping it clean, keeping it relevant and keeping it functional. I think I did it out of order that time, but you get the idea. If you if you can do that, you will notice, like he said, it just creates that little checklist in his head. He's always just running through that checklist. Is it clean? Is it relevant? Is it functional? Uh, and I went out of order again, but I, <laughs> you get the idea. Uh, and then awesome advice today on the social media of just being authentic, being real, being genuine, capturing those moments, and then going for impact, uh, connecting with your people, resonating with them. Like, Don't just broadcast, Like, engage. That jab, 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 right hook that we talked about. I'll have that link in the show notes, Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk's book. Awesome book. I've heard incredible things about it. Um, and guys, this was awesome. Blaze Thompson, thank you for introducing me to Kevin. Uh, I love it when my listeners reach out to me or I, when I connect with them and they say, oh, by the way, you need to get this person on your show because whenever that happens, I get incredible guests. And I think Kevin Bednars was a, uh, just a, another example of uh, that. So again, Blaze, thank you for putting Kevin on my radar. And I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. I'm having a blast talking to these incredible people, learning from these incredible people, sharing their recommendations, sharing their advice, sharing their mentorship. I think we can all grow if we just share knowledge and work together as one industry to know that you know it's not about me being the best. It's not about you being the best. It's about how well can we do this collectively how well can we serve our communities collectively and that's kind of the mentality i have and uh i think you should have that mentality too we all 
we all are better off when we're, when we're thinking about us, not me, not you, but all of us together. Uh, so with that said, please continue to reach out to me. If you can think of anybody, that'd be a great guest on the show. You can email me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Snapchat, Eric Cacciatore, Instagram, Eric Cacciatore, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, and Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Please do connect. Please do uh, set up those one-on-one chats. I love talking to you guys. I really do. I love hearing your pain, hearing uh, where the challenges in the industry are today. When I get to just talk to you, sometimes I can help it i'll be honest sometimes i i don't have the answer but what i do have is an incredible network and i can introduce you to the right person and i i am dedicated to help it helping and serving you guys so please do set up those one-on-one chats and uh i guess that's it for today thanks for sticking along for sticking around this long until next time peace out